This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. My normal slot is Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6. Right now I'm on noon to 2. It's Sunday live. You may call 800-WSB-TALK. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. We are uh, in this halfway through this conversation about not the surface stuff you're hearing about the Jesse Smollett hoax or supposed hoax. He says it's not a hoax where the actor claimed to be the victim of a hate crime in Chicago and the Chicago police through tireless police work and a vast, vast network of surveillance cameras, public and private, uh, discovered that he uh, that it wasn't true. So I don't know why they decided to put all that effort in. Maybe I do know. We'll get to that uh, in a little while, why perhaps they put that extra effort in. But I started thinking, I was prompted by this great article in the Activist Post saying that uh, the big scary thing about the Jesse Smollett story is this crazy network of cameras. And I'd noticed stories like this emerging out of Atlanta many times. And I... uh, I just started Googling around, found uh, uh, quite a few of them. I just had to give up on the research because I was overwhelmed by it. But here's one of the articles I was just reading from on this show. If you missed it, you can go to uh, thepropreport.com in a few days and find that, the podcast of this show and other shows, all of our shows, commercial-free. Thank you, WSB. Uh, All right, so the article I was reading from is called Atlanta Police Surveillance and Its Secret Funders. It's about how... uh, there are private interests funding the surveillance network. And at the end of that article, I'm going to reread just this last paragraph. The private donation, uh, the latest private donations aren't the first. The city in 2012 announced a private gift to support its hub for video monitoring. There, city police get the feeds from government and private cameras and use smart computer software to analyze the video. It's called the Loudermilk Video Integration Center after Atlanta businessman and benefactor Charlie Loudermilk and his family, Buckhead VIPs and philanthropists who donated a million dollars to make it happen. In an unrelated twist, so why, how do they know it's unrelated? In an unrelated twist, Loudermilk, now retired, founded Aaron Rents, a company that faced accusations recently of enabling spying on customers by its independent franchisees via monitoring software on computers they rented. So let me just read you the paragraph from AtlantaPoliceFoundation.org, um, which is right on, up now on their website, called Surveillance Camera Network, Atlanta Police Foundation. This is one paragraph. The Loudermilk Video Integration Center is a cutting-edge facility that serves as the hub for Operation Shield. Uh, I think I first read about Operation Seal, Shield as a pre-crime, um, you know, crime deterrent. They monitor you first and wait for you to commit the crime or not, I guess, is the ultimate goal. I don't know, but it's it's definitely a surveillance operation. The VIC houses a team of analysts, the Video Integration Center, houses a team of analysts who manage the city's more than 7,800 surveillance camera network. Over the three-year campaign, the network will be expanded to more than 10,000 cameras, providing unprecedented crime deterrence potential and the capacity to solve crimes and take criminals off the streets faster. 
the system is unique in that it allows existing video surveillance cameras owned by private business partners to be integrated and monitored in a centralized location. So here again, they point out that it's an unprecedented crime deterrence potential and the capacity to solve crimes and take criminals off the streets faster. Now, can you be 100% certain that that's the only thing they're going to use this for, that this private benefactor gave a million dollars to this program simply out of the goodness of his heart? Maybe, maybe, and that our interests are perfectly aligned with the uh government agents who use it. I'm not even saying the local cops or anything like that want anything but to solve the crimes. However, this stuff gets plugged in at the national level. There are people behind. I mean, that's why I, you know, I always think it's important to have local police versus federal police because there's at least somebody there who wants to keep his community safe and not just serve a higher purpose and a lot of times these guys do uncover maybe even in chicago maybe they really uncovered what was going to be a national political um pr stunt and they just weren't having it in their town i don't know but listen to so i I, I looked through what the aaron's rent to own chain uh did so i found an article around the time of this uh the original article i was reading to you from And it says Aaron's rent to own chain settles FTC charges that it enabled computer spying by franchisees. Listen to it. Have you heard of this, Binkley? No. It's um, it's shocking. I hate to like read, read, read. I never read. But these I, I can't summarize it better than this. Aaron's, a national Atlanta-based rent-to-own retailer, has agreed to settle FTC charges that it knowingly played a direct and vital role in its franchisee's installation and use of software on rental computers that secretly monitored consumers, including by taking webcam pictures of them in their homes. According to the FTC's complaint, Aaron's franchisees used the software which surreptitiously tracked consumers' location, captured images through the computer's webcam, including those of adults engaged in intimate activities, and activated key loggers that captured a user's login credentials for email accounts and financial and social media sites. Consumers have a right to rent computers free of cyber spying and to know when and how they are being tracked by a company, said Jessica Rich, director of the FTC's Bureau of Consumer Protection. By enabling their franchisees to use this invasive software, Aaron's facilitated a violation of many consumers' privacy. The company alleges that Aaron's knew about the privacy-invasive features of the software, but nonetheless allowed its franchisees to access and use the software known as PC Rental Agent. In addition, Aaron's stored data collected by the software for its franchisees and also transmitted messages from the software to its franchisees. In addition, it provided the franchisees with instructions on how to install and use the software. Uh... The software was the subject of related FTC actions earlier this year against the software manufacturer and several rent-to-own stores, including Aaron's, that used it. It included a feature called Detective Mode, which in addition to monitoring keystrokes, capturing screenshots, and activating the computer's webcam, also presented deceptive software registration screens designed to get computer users to provide personal information. Under the terms of the proposed consent agreement with the FTC, Aaron's will be prohibited from using monitoring technology that captures keystrokes or screenshots or activates the camera or microphone on a consumer's computer, except to provide technical support requested by the consumer. So this is Aaron's. So I would like to go back to the original article, which at the end, in a passing sentence, says, 
in an uh, so louder milk video integration center gave a million bucks to Atlanta to monitor to incorporate private and public cameras for the monitoring for prevention of crime. Thank you for us. In an unrelated twist, Loudermark founded this company. He's not associated with that, which he he may not be. Like I'm not certainly it doesn't name a person as being responsible for this, but I think it's deliberately deflective to say in an unrelated twist these guys who are providing police cameras use that exact kind of thing for nefarious purposes you know in a in a in a story that's supposed to be about the dangers of the surveillance i don't know yeah that's weird right yeah <laughs> i guess you but can't I mean, just trust people with that technology does this does this story uh does it surprise you, Binkley, at all that this is the? Ha- I mean, never heard about this. It doesn't surprise me at all. No, that, that I've never heard of it. Yeah, right. that that's what doesn't surprise but, me. But but it's pretty shocking that this is in the record. That there's a there is a an established. Um, so you could say what could possibly go wrong. You know what could possibly these people they're they're using these <laughs> ten thousand surveillance cameras for our benefit. So shut up. You know, yeah, they're but, not gonna look at the stuff we don't want them to look at. Just trust them, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm not even just saying like, look, there's a potential for abuse because this company in Switzerland did this to some Swiss people. This is the company, you know, whose founder also funded the surveillance network that we're supposed to trust. Yeah. So I want that to be absolutely 100% transparent. And there's no reason, you know, it's just there's a risk that there are backdoors in this stuff that they're not being used 100% in our, for our benefit. That's the only thing I'm worried about. And, and a first step towards that is to make sure that any camera that is monitored without a, a specific search warrant, according to the terms of the Fourth Amendment, is... Uh, made open available to everyone and see if you like that if you like that then we can have that discussion and we get to watch cameras inside all of their offices and stations as well so well, presumably they have their own network of, yeah we should anyway like i actually am a huge believer in individual privacy and a zero believer in our agents who we pay who are simply an extension of our own right to self-defense having the privacy so let's see uh Oh, Helen, hang on the line. I think we should go to a quick break so I can give you a little more airtime and uh, and we will get to your call. Uh, anybody else wants to call 800-WSB-TALK, you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. We're going to continue this conversation. We've got more. Um, I do want to talk about the uh, hate crime laws and if they work or not. I'm going to do that at the bottom of the hour. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I have a prize pack for you. We have two passes to an advanced screening of Captain Marvel Tuesday, March 5th at Regal Atlantic Station. Set in the 90s, Captain Marvel is the first female-led film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and arrives in theaters Friday, March 8th. So if you want a chance for that, call 404-741-0750. First to call, we'll get that prize pack. And uh, I'm going to go to the phones. I'm going to go to Helen, just passing through. Hey, Helen, you're on the phone with Monica. Hi, Monica. Just several things here with uh, law enforcement and cameras and lights. 
we just came out of Florida and there's blue lights, you know, and all those stoplights. And I, I actually think it's good because, you know, I'm sure it helps insurance agencies with accident disputes and all that. But um, for me, as a private citizen, you know, it makes me behave a little better when I know those blue lights are out there. But as far as the Chicago stuff and the police, uh, I have to say, we're living in a day where we need we need to help law enforcement. Law enforcement needs all the help they can get. And I just, you know, my husband was reminding me of how recently they put a policeman in jail for some dash cam that they had that they proved the police was in the wrong. But I truly think they need all the help they can get with um, cameras. And I remember several years ago, before they even had these home security systems, my sister, way before her time, she had one. And she was out shopping and got a phone call that there were criminals in her house. They caught them red-handed. So I just, I don't have a home security system, but I would like to. Yeah, I I think that there's a a double-edged sword here. So I do believe that I mean, if you have home cameras, it definitely helps you identify people. Uh, I find that but the, there's a bigger there's a lot of ways to keep yourself secure. Uh, there's I have a alarm system at home and you can leave it on while you're in there and you can leave it on at night. It's very effective. You have you pay someone to monitor it uh, privately. But the. The bigger issue, in in my opinion, is that if you have constant surveillance by government agents, and we're talking constant, it's called 24-7, uh, it's Total Information Awareness was the first federal program for it, and it desired 24-7 monitoring of everyone. So it would be cameras with facial recognition and gate recognition, and you have your own profile, and they write down every where you are the entire time now your phone does it for them now and and you can actually look there's a place in your phone where you can go and find where you've been they can completely monitor you uh but here's the thing if they can monitor you completely all the time the reason the fourth amendment says that they have to actually be looking for something specific after you committed a crime is that that surveillance and invasion like that was being used by the british government to prevent rebels, revolutionaries from uh, fostering the cause of independence in this country. So it's there. We have privacy so that we can conspire against the watchers who abuse their power. I mean, this is an experiment in self-limiting government. I'm not sure that's possible, self-limiting government, but it it might be. Uh, if it is, we need recourse against them. They cannot have... Inf- they're actually, the logo, the motto of the Total Information Awareness Program was Scientia uh, es Potentia, I think. Knowledge, science, knowledge is power. And we also know that power corrupts. So if you give them 100% of the information, at the very least... We should have 100% of the information. So let all their monitoring and all that be in a public forum. And if you're not comfortable with that, you have to ask why. And if you aren't comfortable with that, then you ha- then that's when you have to push back on it. But the problem is there is a potential for abuse of power there. And uh, and they they act like, and, and not just government power, as we saw with the Aaron Rents thing, they use their surveillance technology to spy on you 
for whatever reason. Maybe, I don't know what Aaron Aaron was doing with it, but you could use it to blackmail people. There was a whistleblower, the John Brennan whistleblower of the second underwear bomber, Sockleben, who uh, blew the whistle on an inside government operation that had the potential to be a false flag, and he's in jail for kitty porn because they were looking at his computer. I mean, good. If he's doing kitty porn, then he needs to not do that and can be punished for that. But what if he wasn't even doing it or... They wouldn't have arrested him for it unless, uh, except for political purposes. So there's there's risk involved. Let's uh, get some more calls after the break. 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Everything she said is true. She knew. Nobody believed her. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB, and I always try to get back to the touchstone of the Bill of Rights, which is not a list of your rights. It's a list of rights that you need to ensure to protect yourself against a government that you just imbued a ton of power to. So there are protections and rights from the government. You have endless rights, but these are protections against the government, and it's a very short list. So I want to stick to it. Yet what the surveillance network that uncovered the horrendous Jussie Smollett hoax or supposedly did, we're not even sure they're right yet, that the conclusion is right because he still maintains his innocence. Uh, but I read this good article in Activist Post about the surveillance state as relates to the Jussie Smollett alleged hoax. <laughs> uh, so th- there was an, uh, a sentence in here. It says there's a new type of court case that has been slowly but steadily emerging within the American legal system. Alleged crimes being detected from data supplied by the interconnected network of government surveillance combined with a range of smart home devices. This appears to be rewriting the very nature of the first, fourth and fifth amendments to the Constitution. And uh, I don't think we have time to get into all we have to continue over the as we progress down this road in our society i will continue to use the bill of rights as a touchstone but just that sentence alone reminded me of michael chertoff who uh was the department of homeland security head and i believe he was also an investor in those horrendous machines at the airport that whole body scanning machine uh that emerged after the first underwear bombing episode, which remains to be a bit fishy sounding to me. Uh, but he, Binkley, it's funny because when I read this paragraph, I thought of a Chertoff clip we had played before on the air. And I didn't know that you at the same time had a Chertoff quote relevant to this. What was the quote? And then we'll play the clip and then I'll get to some calls. He said, I don't think there's another city in the U.S. that has an extensive and integrated camera network as Chicago has. So I would say then Chicago should have the lowest crime rate and it doesn't, it has the highest crime rate. And I believe Vermont has the lowest crime rate and has the most, uh, the least restrictive gun ownership laws. I, I could be wrong, could be like a marginal, you know, close to that, but it's pretty close, if not the actual lowest. So I'm not saying causation, correlation. I mean, clearly you're going to want more cameras when you have more crime, but I want to know that's what it's being used for. It's never abused. It's an evidence that it has, that it does get abused. And if it's public, if they don't need a warrant for it, I want access to it all the time, all of it, every bit of it forever. If they're going to store it, 
then we need access to those archives as well. But I want to hear, so this guy said they did um, uh, reporting on the impact on the first, fourth, and fifth amendments of this stuff. I want to hear what Chertoff said some years ago about what we should anticipate in this new age. Let's hear that clip. The second thing is our legal principles have not kept up with the new challenges. Uh, you know, one of the, the problems I think we faced right after 9-11 is rules had been written for dealing with foreign intelligence and how we, we surveil it. Back in the days of, you know, we were worried about the Soviet Union or, or other countries, and while we still have concerns about nation states, the issue of terrorism is now equal in, in importance. And we didn't have a legal model that helped us deal with that. So I, one of the things I think Congress hasn't done and needs to do is to actually sit down and think through uh, in a bipartisan way, what is the legal architecture we need to deal with this 21st century challenge? This is a big uh, canard, like a, a, a red herring. It's an excuse. They use this excuse of terrorism, drugs, crime, even as a way to tell us that our legal principles are inadequate. But legal principles have emerged over thousands of years of civilization to respond to uh, to piracy, to terrorism, to clashes of all kinds, to uh, foreign uh, threats. They are principles for a reason, and they don't need to be rewritten. We need to think. You need to respect the sovereignty of other countries, for example, before you destabilize the system these principles were made for. So you have to, that's what the boundaries are for. You have your rights and you need to respect other people's rights or you have this whole new, you know, that that is the foundation of the expression American exceptionalism. They tell you it doesn't mean that. They tell you it means American extraordinariness, but it's exception to these rules. You don't rewrite legal principles. They are fundamental. You abide by them, and then you don't get into trouble. Uh, but that's not his job. So I'm going to keep going with some calls. Um, I'm going to go to Kim and then David. Kim, you are on with Monica. Hi, Kim. Hi, Monica. Thanks for taking my call. An excellent topic today. Um, I think two things. Uh, well, let me add to that first. Uh, I do agree with you. Any public um, monitoring should be transparent and available to the public. Um, number two, I think it's real important to remember that anytime you're talking about technology, you're talking about a game of whack-a-mole. And by that, I mean, as soon as the government figures out a way to monitor, there will come a way to, for those who don't want to be monitored, to not participate in that. Uh, and that's just the fact of technology. So I'm not sure about that. Like, I think if we go to a cashless society you're never going to be able to pay your babysitter under the table again. Oh, I, wow, I couldn't disagree with you more. And I'll tell you the, I'll tell you the, the very proof. What are you going to pay her with? The, the dark web. So think about, think about how profound the dark, the dark web is. But once you put it fact, in the technology, it is de facto monitorable. They tell you it's not, but I don't believe that. Well, but see, there's always something coming up, like, like uh, eCoin. There's always something coming up. To, to break. I think that's the most monitorable thing there is. Cash, gold are less monitorable than that. Well, they, you think they are, but they're, they're, there's always a way to break whatever monitor, monitorable technology comes out. 
And, and when you look at the history of technology, every step the government has made to monitor over here, somebody comes up with a new solution over there. And you yes, know, I the just government- disagree with that. I think we are way, way ahead of them. And I think we actually give them the capability to undermine what we've created to to level up so that we can continue spending money. I remember when Stuxnet was released into Iran, yeah. like, oh, they have our yeah. thing now. It's like, yeah, how'd they get it? And And what does it do to you? Now you can double your spending because you need to... Up it. I feel like it actually makes me think that we should have a uh, any any defense, any of that. We should never sell it to anybody. That you should keep of it course. to yourself, yeah. and then yeah. we wouldn't be vulnerable to it in the future. But what they do is they create it, they give it away, and then they have to battle it. Well, I think it's a scam. I, I don't think it's the government giving it away. It, it would be a private inventor. Who well, what, who gave be. away Stuxnet? Yeah, you know, I, I don't have the answer to that, but, but I mean, I, I think I, they know, caught it because we like released Stuxnet, it. Uh, yeah, I feel like something like Stuxnet was put out purposely by the by military for because we knew that once somebody thought they had something that we didn't have the the uh, answer to, we put a back door in it and we watched how they deployed it. We watched what they're you know. I don't know. I think we revert. They reverse engineered it. I don't think they actually used it. We didn't give it to them. They found it and then they reverse engineered. I think we're at odds here, and I want to move on to my uh, to just get a quick um, hate crime. Uh, I want to address this article I read because it's important. Because a Republican, I I can't see the article at my fingertips, but is suggesting hate crime legislation in Gwinnett and I'm running out of time. So I'm going to go to David. David, you are on with Monica. Monica, thanks hey, for David. taking my call and I hope yeah. WSB wakes up and makes you the next board. Ah, thank you. You're I am I am now. Yes, I I did uh my libertarian star rose in the wake of the great boards. Go. Okay. Uh thing is, thing about hate crime legislation is the government has no bill no no authority to tell me who I can love and who I can hate. Bottom line, period, end of story. If I go out and I kill someone, if I injure someone, if I take someone's right to life, liberty, or property, then punish me. But you cannot punish my thoughts. My thoughts are mine, right or wrong, moral or immoral. They belong to me. And the way this hate crime legislation is being written, it seems that me, as a white male, am the only one that's susceptible to it. Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm reading this really good article, uh, beginning of the questioning. It's uh, from Pace Law Review, September 2016. The author is Brianna Alonghi. Um, Negative ramifications of hate crime legislation. It's time to reevaluate whether hate crime laws are beneficial to society. And some of the things that you're saying um, are addressed in this. One is... Yes, you you are entitled to your thoughts, uh, cutting edge thoughts, revolutionary thoughts, paradigm shifting thoughts, uh, stuff that makes the world a better place are abs- uh, often, if not always, uh, rejected, suppressed, especially by the powerful who want to maintain the status quo. So so things that like conspiracy theories considered like uh i i believe the next step is they're going to consider conspiracy theories hate thought because uh they're saying real people get hurt by these conspiracy theories uh, yeah, Mon- monica my, my my point here is real real quick on this i know you're short on time 
If I want to, and I God, I do not want to do this. Anybody's listening, it's my friend. I do not Watch want to do this. Watch what you're saying. But, but if I want to mirror the thoughts of Adolf Hitler, that is my business. Now, the second, the nanosecond that my thoughts become action, punish me. Well, that's a little tricky because, uh, I mean, you would rewrite even conspiracy, racketeering, stuff like that. I'm not even saying that those are legitimate laws, but there are there can be blurry lines of when a, when a crime starts. But the thoughts, there is the thought element of a crime and also of a mortal sin is similar. You have to have an actus reus, so you have to do the thing, and you have to have mens rea. You have to have the intention to do the act. This takes it back to where what your motive is, what your feeling is, what your emotion is. But in reality, you can't really determine that. Uh, it may not be possible to control, but you want to control how people act and and you want to make sure that now accidents do happen it's only a crime if you meant it to happen and that mental state is important but it does a lot of this stuff does backfire especially because a lot uh that the supposedly the stuff is supposed to be defending minorities but a, a lot of the crime is uh it doesn't it doesn't it goes in all directions so white people use it against black people and um the whole the whole intention of the of uh, identifying groups and all that kind of stuff can backfire it can cause a lot of resentment it sends young people to jail where they learn racial division in a way that they would never see in regular society so let me wrap it up after the break i gotta take a quick one this is monica perez monica perez now there is a president who may have been elected but the real man in charge lives several miles underground on news 95.5 at am 750 wsb I didn't get to all the stuff I wanted to tell you out of this law review article, but one of the reasons that perhaps, if it isn't just a big hoax within a hoax, that Chicago put all this time and effort into the Jesse Smollett case is that there is a lot of federal money dedicated to hate crime investigations to the point where you can actually get $100,000 per investigation from the feds if you focus on the hate crime stuff. So this was really, uh, it could encourage misallocation of resources but binkley told me something at the break which i found to be quite ironic so let me share that with me there was a story in the babylon b which is a satire news site with the headline jesse smollett offered job at cnn after fabricating news story out of thin air this is a satire site and snopes went ahead and debunked it anyway yeah so i think that there was a jesse smollett thing where it's his mother's maiden name was Harris. And so there's this article that had a lot of like good stuff. Picture of Smollett with Kamala Harris, picture of Smollett with Obama, all this stuff, like good stuff that I consider interesting. And it show and it says Kamala Harris is his aunt, which she definitely isn't. It's very easy to debunk that. And I thought that was a an article just teed up for Snopes to debunk to make any idea that there's something deeper to the story seem uh, fraudulent. But the irony of that headline uh, is that Al Sharpton actually did get that. Al Sharpton uh, took the Tawana Brawley hoax and ran with it. I mean, you're probably too young to remember this, but I think 
It was November 1987, happens to be the exact same month that Bonfire of the Vanities was released, describing the exact same thing uh, or something very similar. He really either Wolf captured the zeitgeist or Brawley. I mean, I doubt she read that book like before it came out, but they, Twana Brawley was going to get in trouble at home. So she made up this story of being um, raped and abused by white cops. And uh, she was just scared of her stepfather, and the mother was too, so she supported the story. But Al Sharpton ran with it, and it was really uh, a big scandal. And then he got his CNN show. Al Sharpton said he should have been disgraced uh, or you know, exposed as a charlatan. But instead, he's he was actually consulting with Kamala Harris just the other day, and the headline said, not talking about Jussie Smollett. I'm like... Oh, they're probably talking about Jesse Smollett. <laughs> uh, headline. <laughs> yeah, so she's going to Al Sharpton. Uh, she, I saw really, I tweeted at Monica Perez show a like one minute clip of Kamala Harris. They said when you tweeted about Jesse Smollett's story being a modern day lynching, you know, do you stand behind that? And she's looking around like, I tweeted that. You know, she's definitely looking yeah. to see which of her tweeters tweeted that. And she and Cory Booker, I think, were putting out an anti-lynching statute on the day that this happened. And I just have to say, lynching is illegal already. So let's <laughs> stay yeah. away from that. And uh, so, Binkley, tell people how they can hear our podcasts and uh, and help us out even. They can go to the com. Prop, short for propaganda, com. What was the second question? How they can help us out. I would say, you know, uh, anywhere that they can subscribe or share. You can subscribe, share. You can send it to a friend who you think will like the show. We need all the help we can get right now. We're getting suppressed everywhere. So That is true. We have to rebuild our website. But it is it is uh, up and running, but it will be back bigger and better than ever coming soon. So check that out. And uh, we'll be back. We have two shows next weekend and two shows the weekend after. So check us out Saturday and Sunday, the next couple of weeks right here on WSB and go to thepropreport.com for showtime. So this is Monica Perez. Later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.